from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. All right, here we go on a Tuesday. Cofield and Company. Adam Candy alongside as the company. Jared filling in for Ari. Busy Tuesday. We'll actually cut out at 5 o'clock for NLCS action. As, uh, Candy, I know, is glued to the baseball world, so let's get right to it. It's the three on Cofield and Company. I was very worried about you, my friend, coming into the show. Are you okay? I mean, a 5-1 lead makes it a little bit easier to be okay, but at the same time, I basically feel like I'm DK Metcalf waiting for the cart to come out for four hours. Like, I'm just clenching and clenching and clenching, and, you know, it's going to be an explosion at the end of this one way or the other. Wow. What did you eat last night or today? That sounds pretty graphic. Doesn't matter, man. I, I could not have eaten for days, and this would be the best uh, the best clear out that my system would ever have. Be having to watch this stuff. I, I I love and hate postseason baseball at the same time. I texted my buddy last night, said, "Do you want them to win this game tomorrow, or should we just be happy to be done with having to watch these games and sweat everything out like this?" But yeah, looks like uh, so far I've been pretty good for the Yankees. Why would you want to be done? Because this tension is unbearable. <laughs> Honest to God, it's it's just like watching these games and and feeling every pitch for four hours in my bones, like coursing through my blood with tension is is raising my blood pressure. Just like this, just like me looking at Nestor Cortez cruising through five innings and seeing Aaron Boone decide, you know what? I'm done with the pitcher who has been carving the lineup up. I'm going to go the bullpen to Jonathan Loisaga, even though my bullpen has been horrible all year in the second half. Here we are going into the bullpen. This is what's going to make me have a blowout. Overmanaging in 2022. I'm not anti-analytics, but it does drive me nuts that at the first sign of trouble, guys are removed from the game in a 5-1 game. All the contact had been soft. Nestor Cortez had thrown 55 pitches (laughs) through five innings. 55 pitches! I know they have a four-run lead. This is why I want to calm down. This And, you know, the other part of the equation here as the shortstop. Here we go. Now the shortstop boots the ball, and here goes the beginning of this inning. Here we go again. The other hard (laughs) part of it, Cofield, is that if they make it to the ALCS, you know what I have to deal with? I have to deal with Bischoff. And and Bischoff, the cheating Astros fan, is not anything that I want to have to deal with. Like, I would almost rather not have to go through that, but, you know, kind of looks like it might be the case. As Astros fans go, uh, worse. Bischoff or your boy Ted Cruz? <laughs> oh, God. I mean, what? you got to think about it. Bischoff's that bad? Yeah. I mean, wow. I mean, I mean, one of them, when trouble hits, yeah. takes off for Cancun. The other one just drives his car into his house. I can't decide which one's worse. I was going to say Bischoff doubles and triples and quadruples down, so he'll keep going. Um, I the yep, audience, Here we go. The audience, uh, hey, wow. the audience might be shocked at how into baseball and the Yankees that you are. I This show does not have, and it's sad, this show does not have a lot of super passionate sports fans anymore. Many of us have been desensitized by working around the biz this long, I'm actually, I'm, I'm a little blown away that you're this into it, especially considering, and folks, if you can't tell, Candy's a Yankees fan. 
uh, especially considering the kind of year they had. I figured they kind of set you up for, well, whatever they do in the playoffs will be nice, but don't have expectations that are too high, again, after that second half. And then in September, they pulled it back together again. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in Godfather style, right? And so here we go again with this. And people asked me when I was younger, when I was still doing daily newspaper stuff, like, oh, is your dream to cover the Yankees? I said, no, absolutely not. I have to keep one thing as a fan. Like, I don't care if I cover the NFL and, you know, whatever. Okay, now I care about the Giants. I don't care about the Giants. Whatever. I want one thing to keep and the Yankees were my one thing and now it's second and third with one out and Loisaga is in trouble and Terry Francona's on the screen and he's making me think about 2004 with Dave Roberts stealing the base for the Boston Red Sox and even more neurotic than usual. I was not sweating bullets yesterday waiting for the game to start. I think you and many others were. What was yesterday like in terms of the information from baseball about what was going to happen for the start time of the Guardians and the Yankees? Uh, it was nothing. That was the problem. They announced <laughs> it was going to be delayed. And then we had three hours of sitting around going, I don't know, maybe not. Think about the people at the stadium, by the way. Yep. The people at the stadium got there and were sitting there for hours. Miles Straw, the Cleveland outfielder, was tossing footballs back and forth with people in the stands while they sat there and waited out a rain delay. They had paid $50 for parking. And then there was no game. And they sat there with no information for two and a half hours. Rob Manfred seems to wake up every day in whatever bat chamber he sleeps in and get up and think to himself, I wonder how I can try to chase him off today. Yep. Wonder if I can pull the one thing today that will make fans finally stop caring about baseball. What was the analogy you drew? uh, Probably middle of the summer or maybe before that. It was probably before that. Uh, maybe before the season, you were talking about being in a cage and like Manfred was your captor just torturing you. And you're just like, give me more, Rob. Give me more. Oh, God, give me more. Oh, hit, hit me harder, Bobby. Hit me yeah. harder, Bobby Baseball. Yeah. You you hit me as hard as you can and see if I keep coming back for more. It's not sexual. It's nothing like that. It's, <laughs> it's just I, he has a hold over me. It's 50 shades of Rob Manfred. <laughs> See, I'm so done with him, and I don't know that I'm done with baseball. Like, I like fantasy baseball. I don't bet baseball. I don't watch games when I can, and I used to be a really big baseball fan. But Rob Manfred and before that, Bud Selig broke me, so I don't get that upset. And when I was watching you guys, all of you get so worked up about no update from baseball, I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. This guy is a clown, and they're completely out of touch with the average fan and certainly with who used to be fans, they've lost a ton of fans. And sadly, it's in my age group, like 45 plus. I know a lot of people who really like baseball 25, 30 years ago, and they're like, eh, you know what? Football's here. NBA starting up. NHL already started. If baseball doesn't care about us, okay. If you don't want us to watch, you know, you're kind of telling us, so we won't. Well, they don't want you to watch. That's why they rescheduled this game for 1 o'clock yep. Pacific. And oh, by the way, if you're tired of hearing about the Yankees, hey, Padres fans, how quick are you going to have to get home from work yep. today to try to watch any Which of that game? Playing I, at five, uh, ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous. Sorry to cut you off, but I, I, and I, maybe someone mentioned it on ESPN National. I didn't get to listen. Like I say all the time, I generally listen to our sister station, Fox 1340 and 98.9 FM, because the majority of the programming is West Coast. And I live in the Pacific time zone, and I just, you know, 
You and I are both from the Northeast. I don't want to hear New York and Philly and Boston stuff all the time. And I wonder if anyone who does radio there thought about the West Coasters. The Padres have home field advantage, but the game is starting at 537 their time. And I, I know the way people in the Midwest and the Northeast are thinking, like, oh, 830, it's already too late. F off. The Padres got home field. Guess what? The Yankee game can start later, and the Padres game can go at 10 o'clock Eastern. Too bad. That's part of home field. And you just mentioned it perfectly. Padres fans have to basically rearrange the second half of their day to get out to a baseball game at the stadium at Petco or to get somewhere with a TV. A 5.30 start is nonsense. Home field advantage should include the game starts about when it normally starts at that stadium. And for Phillies fans, stay up late. For Northeast Corridor fans, whatever, South Florida fans, stay up late. If you don't want to, too bad. The lasagna is perfectly cooked, by the way. Johnny <laughs> Lasagna got out of it. I love it. I love it. Now I love baseball. Any, you didn't hear any of that. I know. Rant. Rob Manfred's fun. I heard every hear. word of it. I heard every word of you defending the great city of San Diego. Yeah. I, I, I suggest that if you want to hear somebody talk about it, you got to get your buddy Arash. We know he's done, you know, Mighty 1090, and they're talking down in San Diego about these things. But, Maybe nobody cares anymore because the Dodgers aren't in it, right? Maybe because the Dodgers got knocked out, it's not a big deal because it's not happening in L.A. It's just little old San Diego that's getting screwed by this. So we got NBA starting up tonight. We'll get to that in a little bit. NHL is the uh, Knights continue with the unbeaten start on the road. But on the way back, I think today was another big step in getting the owners to officially turn on Dan Snyder is – Jim Irsay was the guy who spoke up, which is a little bit weird. And then, of course, the snide dog and his legal team with the commanders fired back. But uh, the uh, the heat in the kitchen is getting real, real hot for Dan Snyder. Want the skinny on UNLV football? Listen to the weekly UNLV All Access podcast with Cofield and Caleb Herring. A new episode drops each Thursday morning at UNLV All Access on Twitter. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. studio. We're leading into baseball, NLCS, Padres, and Phillies. That'll be a little after 5 o'clock right now. AL series is going on. Still trying to decide who's going to be in the ALCS. Yankees 5-1 against Cleveland. Sixth inning, bottom of the fifth is uh, Harrison Bader. Another another guy, uh, rich get richer. Another guy they bought. Not really. Um, now first and third. So Yankees first and third. Check that first and second. 5-1. Bottom six, so we'll see if uh, the Guardians can make a comeback. And this one is we're going to deal with Candy with about an hour and 45 minutes left of Ajita in front of the public, in front of the public. The NFL owners have a little Ajita right now, Candy, and it's all from a little morsel we call the Snide Dog, you know, little fraternity guy, out of control, oversees a uh, alleged... Poor workplace. And now we're getting more and more stories of his dirty deeds. And I'm sure you saw this one today. The organization and the NFL were threatened with more lawsuits because the claim is that in this big investigation, all the victims may have been made available by name. Someone, it sounds like, with the NFL, Candy gave Snyder access to it, and Snyder apparently loves to have hit list 
and investigate and harass and intimidate. So some info came down today, and the attorney that represented a lot of those folks was like, okay, now now we're going to go after the NFL and Snyder for this. Jim Ursay spoke today, and Ursay, by the way, is there something wrong with Jim Ursay? I really, I'm trying to be nice about this. Do you know, is, has, has he fallen ill? I don't know if he's fallen ill that we know of, but the man has had substance abuse issues for a number of years that I'm okay. sure have taken their toll. They absolutely have. And I was wondering if, it, I mean, that is serious, but I was wondering if it was something more serious. I didn't want to speak out of turn, but boy, oh boy, does he have difficulty making a 35-second statement into like three minutes. The uh, vast sound crew here at Lotus Broadcasting did their best to try to pull the audio. Lordy, the stops and start anyway. It's, it's actually very concerning. I'm like, the guy owns an NFL team. Like, Come on, spit it out. But in not so many words or a lot of words, he said, uh, hey, protecting the workplace has become a priority in these times, and he believes there's enough evidence, even though he said repeatedly we have to wait until the end of the investigation, but that there's enough evidence to potentially get Snyder out of the NFL, and he also hinted at the fact that there could be 24 owners who may agree with him. I'll read you what Snydog and company uh, sent out from D.C. a couple of minutes ago, but what do you think about what's going on right now that Snyder may have had access to victims' names and has been intimidating and harassing them, and now you've got this attorney saying, no, 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 this was supposed to be confidential. Now it's more lawsuit time. I'll tell you what, though, Cofield, I love the fact that it's Jim Ursay out front, and I do can't you? say I ever love anything the NFL owners do. He's the perfect guy. Why is that? He is the perfect person to be at the face of this. Why is that? For a couple of reasons. First of all, he's someone who's already had his problems with yeah, the league, yeah, yeah. right? We know that Jim Ursay already <laughs> served a suspension right, for a DWI. Right, right, right. We know that if Snydog is going to be out here threatening to go right. investigate Jim Ursay, right, right. Jim Ursay is going to be like, Come at yeah, me, bro. Yeah. What else do you got? Dirty out there. I'm fine. I'm, I, everyone knows I'm flawed. Bring it. And he did. And Ursay absolutely brought it <laughs> to Snyder. And don't forget, go back a few years when Rush Limbaugh was talking about potentially getting involved in an ownership group yeah. and had said some racially charged, we'll say, things about Donovan McNabb. It was Ursay who got out front and said, I will never vote for this guy. I will never be someone who can support him, Ursay, who, by the way, has also donated to uh, my former employer, Harry Reid, uh, in his past. Like, Ursay's not afraid to get out there. And someone who's not afraid of Snyder's threats is exactly who had to say what was said today. We well, you know what's great about all this is that we know that billionaires often have to live in the muck and litigation and threats and intimidation is, you know, part of the way for many of them to get to the top. But the fact that this is being played out in public is highly Highly entertaining. Uh, the commanders sent out a response to Ursa, Jim Ursay saying, hey, you know what? This may be time for Snyder. There may be enough owners here who are really disturbed by his behavior. The commander sent out the note that says, it is highly inappropriate, but not surprising, that Mr. Ursay opted to make statements publicly based on falsehoods in the media. Oh, the media. Uh, it is unfortunate that Ursay decided to go public with a statement today while investigation is in process. And the team had uh, had no opportunity to formally respond to the allegations. The commanders have made remarkable progress over the past two years. We are confident when he has an opportunity to see the actual evidence in this case, Mr. Ursay will conclude that there is no reason for the Snyders to consider selling the franchise 
And they won't. How about that at the end? <laughs> Let's there do it. There are like a hundred different ways to go after this. There are like a hundred different <laughs> mistakes in this statement. I love the part where like, oh, it's not surprising. Yeah, go after him personally. Okay. Yep. Then, oh, when he has a chance to see the evidence. Really? Really? You who buried the Wilkinson report are going to say, oh, when he has a chance to see the evidence, you took all the evidence and shoved it in a drawer. You're the, one, you're the whole reason that we can't look at the evidence. Oh, the falsehoods in the media. Tell that to the victims who are the ones out there saying these things about what's going on in Washington. Look, Snyder got too close to home in the Don Van Natta and Seth Wickersham report when they started talking about he's got dirt on everyone. Yep. The owners basically said, you know what? Your bluff is called. You want to come out there and say yep. it? Come out there and say it. And we'll have Jim Ursay who is not scared of you at all because the man has already been through the ringer and has $3 billion in the bank. Come at me, Snide Dog. And now all they've got left is statements like that. Uh, the, the report last week claimed that Snyder called the NFL owners like a mafia, right? And that they all hate each other. And then another owner fired back. They're like, well, you, you, not really. We all hate you. We don't all hate each other. We all hate you. So... Hey, when you turn your back on the mafia, guess what? You know, the clubs are going to come out. The horse heads are going to come out. So we'll see what happens to this dude. And, and Snyder, I mean, he really is a wild card. Who knows what he has on some other owners? There may be some guys who really want to protect the skeletons in their closet. Now, speaking of that, there is a recipe for disaster developing in Denver. They're out to a crap start. Hackett, I almost called him Paul, which is part of the problem. Nathaniel Hackett, that's that's his dad, Paul. Maybe he shouldn't have been in this position, right? Cue the nepotism conversation. Hackett looks unqualified. Russell Wilson, maybe cooked. I don't think he is. Can I give you the recipe for disaster there in the form of one Melvin Gordon? So Gordon is benched. He's warring. I don't know if you saw this yesterday, but pregame, he's fighting with Charger fans who are talking trash to him on social media. I think he's an okay guy, but I wonder if it's him or someone else who starts spilling the beans about what's going on with the Broncos from an organization standpoint. I don't mean from the top down. I mean the organization of the team under Hackett. Is someone going to come clean here and just annihilate this dude for how he's been coaching so far? Because last night was another embarrassment. If you're going to come for Russ, you better start with Hackett. And that's end of the story because one guy has a track record and one guy doesn't. Yep. We've seen Russell Wilson do it. We've never seen Nathaniel Hackett do a damn thing. And so you want to talk about the nepotism? Yeah. So for every Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan who's out there having success, there's a Nathaniel Hackett who's effing it up. And Cofield, I've never checked out on a coach in any sport as quickly as I checked out on Hackett after the first couple of weeks, he's overmatched in every way. He might be an okay offensive coordinator. He might be able to put together good plays for Aaron Rodgers. Yep. But you know what? He can't handle game management. He can't handle calling an offense. And last night, we spent so much time worrying about the bad play calling of the Broncos. Did anybody notice that he called two timeouts <laughs> with the clock stopped in the final three minutes? We're all worried about Brandon Staley not uh, using a timeout at the end of the game. Yep. Hackett's out there like, oh, hey, remember when I didn't know how to use my timeouts? Let me show y'all. I figured it out. Like, no, no, not quite. Not quite. 
Yeah, I'm not rooting against the guy, but oftentimes when we had AFC West insiders on, right, former players, other experts, I would throw the same question at all of them. Who's the worst coach in the AFC West? Which, it's a good debate before the season, right, Candy? We don't know about Hackett. People think that Staley is out of his league at times. I like Staley. We don't know how Josh McDaniels was going to react in his second go-round. Well, to this point, Hackett is the worst coach in the division. And unfortunately, in front of you know the worldwide audience, you, you simply don't have time to learn. And the other thing I asked all summer of Broncos experts, you know, I'm looking at this and I'm like, wait, this guy's a first-time head coach and the O.C.? Not the safest combination if this guy ain't ready to handle the head coaching duties. And I, I, I think it's complicated things so much that, like you just said, he's calling bizarro timeouts. Um, it just doesn't make any sense because this team has been in all these games. And in a lot of ways, game management has screwed them over. And then the greatest thing about this is the NFL was, hey, you know what? Russell Wilson's a star. Broncos are back. Let's put him on prime time all the time. Four out of six weeks to open the season, and each performance seems more dreadful. And he keeps getting the blame, Cofield. That's the problem. They keep blaming Russell Wilson right. for it, and they're blaming Russell Wilson because he's a weirdo. Okay, let's just be honest about who Russell Wilson is in his public persona. He's a weird dude. And so he hasn't screwed up the way I would say his social weirdo brother, Alex Rodriguez, did, <laughs> clearly cheating, clearly going against the rules. But man, does he make himself an easy target to go after, right? He makes himself so easy. We're still going after Russ because of the whole let's ride, let Russ cook, et cetera, et cetera. We're talking about Hackett's timeouts. Didn't three weeks ago, didn't Nathaniel Hackett hire a game situations coach yep. to help him manage all of these very difficult spots that a first-year guy can't take care of? Did the game management coach call down to him and say, call timeouts with a clock stopped? Come on, man. <laughs> Look, Russ might be done. Who knows? All the mystery injuries are coming out now. And they're sending word out through Ian Rappaport. He's got a real injury with real pain. Yeah, you're protesting too much. But in the end, I'm still not willing to pin it on Russ yet. It's still more on Hackett. Come on, Candy, do it. Give me a little, give me a little rehearsal. Come on, do it. Broncos country. Let's ride. Come on, you can do it. You can do it seven different ways. Let's go. Broncos country. Let's ride. <laughs> Broncos country. Let's ride. Broncos country. Let's ride. <laughs> okay, let's do it again. Let me know if you want any more takes. Let's do it again from the top, uh, what, Russ. What? <laughs> One more for me. One more for me. Broncos country. Oh, that's a ride. <laughs> uh, John Von Tobel is going to be on the road on Sunday. He'll be following the Raiders game right across the street, the Silver and Black after party. Crazy Horse 3, Crazy Horse 3, right there, closest location to a park and party right across from the stadium. After the Texans game, you walk over, show your local ID, you are in for free. Here's what we're going to do right now. Jared's going to hook you up with a VIP table, so you get VIP treatment, free entry for four people. You get a uh, bucket of beer, and what a setup. Awesome kitchen. Dozens and dozens of beautiful girls. Crazy Horse 3, it's right there on Russell across from the stadium. Every game after the home games, they do a silver and black after party. We're getting you in right now. Caller 7 with VIP treatment, 364-1100. Join Cofield and company on Fridays for the 3-6 to six show at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. There's nothing like a football Friday at Treasure Island. <laughs> 
back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Guardians trying to pull the comeback here. Runner on second, top seven, five-one. Yankees lead the Guardians. We'll have uh, NLCS, the start of the championship series, right here on ESPN Las Vegas. In just a little bit, right after five o'clock, we'll cut out and go to uh, San Diego, taking on the Phillies. All right, Candy, it's question time. I was out there this morning, actually the last couple of days at UNLV football practice. It's been pretty brutal the last couple of games, uh, having a rough time against San Jose and then Air Force, and we know that UNLV is dealing with some injuries, and of course the key one is that quarterback. They had a top 15 performer in the country at his position in Doug Brumfield, and right now he's questionable for the next game. And it's not just Doug Brumfield, as I'm sure you'll detail for everybody about the list of injuries that UNLV has going to Notre Dame. And look, it hasn't been pretty the last two weeks. Any way you slice it, UNLV's gotten run off the field uh, with Cameron Friel at quarterback and with all the injuries that they've had. And now you have this game in the middle that, yeah, has a lot of hype and flash against a marquee opponent. But in the end, it doesn't mean anything to where UNLV's trying to go. Doesn't mean anything to winning a Mountain West championship. Doesn't mean anything to getting to a bowl game. In the end, you got four games left against Mountain West opponents. You have four wins. You need two more to go to a bowl. and You need a couple of well-timed ones to potentially win the Mountain West. So to me, this is a get-the-check game. Get the check and come home because you have bigger goals than making an impression against Notre Dame. Yeah, I would play Brumfield if I'm comfortable with his concussion status. And, and... I knew some other guys were coming back. And that's where those extenuating circumstances complicate this whole thing because I don't know that Aiden Robbins, their lead running back, is going to be ready to go. He's got a right knee injury. I think Kyle Williams, their best receiver along with Ricky White, they need more receivers back because they got cluster problems there. They also lost Jeff Weimer a few weeks back. And on defense on that front line, on the defensive line, they're uh, suffering a lot of injuries. I will point out, Adam Plant should be back. He was practicing this morning. He was a uh, a late scratch for the public on Saturday. He's one of their better defensive players at outside linebacker. I did see some tweets today that said uh, that he didn't have an apparent injury. Just because the program won't tell you about the injury doesn't mean that there's something sinister at hand. Like I saw some people thinking – Hey, maybe he was suspended for disciplinary reasons. I don't think that was it. He, I think he does have a shoulder injury. It goes back to Utah State. So be careful before you know coming up with some conspiracy theory. Uh, but he needs to play. And you know the problem on the the defensive line now is they are they already lost uh, Naki Fahina for the season. He was a starter. I don't know that Tavis Malakius. He's listed as a number one this week at nose tackle. I don't know that he's going to play. So you can kind of see where they're getting hit all over the place, and they're probably down to their number three strong safety because Tyson Player appears to be out for the year, and Jordan Morgan hurt his shoulder on Saturday. So you, you see all the guys I'm naming here, um, and I'm believe me, I'm the first guy to be like, hey, if you can play, get out there, let's go. Uh, Notre Dame is beatable, but there's also reality. You want to make sure that you can peak down the stretch, and you got a bye week coming up. So last week I wasn't on board with you about you know preserving the team for the stretch run, but – after watching him, and, and here's the thing. We knew this was going to happen, that this was a likelihood, that this was a possibility, Candy, right? This middle of the schedule, because Air Force is a giant pain in the ass to play with the cut blocking, and they're a physical team, and then you're going to go to Notre Dame, they're a physical team, so you knew you had to get through 
the middle of the season and try to be competitive. They want to get to the finish line in good shape here in those last four games. All four are winnable. You could lose all four. You know, if the injuries continue here and Brumfield gets dinged up against Notre Dame. So they got to be very, very careful uh, getting ready for this one. I mean, think about it this way. If you're a UNLV fan and you're thinking about this, you're thinking to yourself, if we beat Notre Dame and then lose the last four games because Doug Brumfield got hurt in the Notre Dame game, does that mean anything? No, you didn't get where you wanted to go. Join Cofield and company on Thursdays for the live 2-5 to five show at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. During all NFL games this season, get 77-cent beers. It's Thursday Night Football at Silver 7's Flamingo in Paradise. My Lord, I've been looking forward to talking to Miles Simmons all day from Pro Football Talk. So much angst, so much anger. So much heat all around the National Football League, on and off the field. I mean, we could start with Russell Wilson. We could talk about screaming matches with the Steelers. But we have to go to the top of the heap with the billionaires. And Jim Irsay trying to drop a bomb on Don, uh, Don Snyder, Dan Snyder. And then the commander's coming back, basically trying to take shots at Irsay. This is tremendous as the move is on now to get Dan Snyder out of this freaking league. It sure is, and you know what? I I I was a little surprised. I, I I was because usually billionaires they start circling the wagons. You know, they don't usually just start coming out and saying, "Hey, yeah, it, it, it's probably time." You know, for this to start happening, there is merit to remove Dan Snyder as an owner. That's unprecedented from a fellow owner to say something about that like that it's absolutely unprecedented and you know kudos to Jim Irsay it's interesting because you know we there's some stuff about Jim Irsay that's out there but I think that's the point it's out there you know if Dan Snyder wants to say oh well I'm gonna get dirt I've got dirt on everybody Irsay's like bring it on man what is it that you can tell the public that they don't already know about me I love it, and I think it's about damn time that somebody, one of these owners, said, yeah, there's reason and there's merit to getting this guy the hell up out of here. Miles, what's the point of having F.U. money if you never say F.U.? That's kind of where Jim Irsay is right now, right? Right. Well, I mean, it's also where Dan Snyder is, obviously. But yeah, exactly. No, it's true. And that's the that's the wonderful thing about it. I think, you know, if you have F.U. money, you can say F.U. Do whatever you want. I'm fine. You know, and I, the other part about this is that, like, it, it it can't just have been something that Jim Irsay was saying as something out of school. There have got to be multiple owners that feel this way and have talked to Jim Irsay. And Jim's like, hey, you know what? Let me just do it. I'll do it. If Jerry Jones is going to say, "Oh, this is more of a media creation," let me prove that it's not. That was that was a, it was a great, great move. I thought by by Ursay and whatever so, owners he's planning with. So that's my question that comes out of this, Miles, because we have the Jones side and now you have the Ursay side. Do you think this shows that the owners are split, or do you think this shows the owners are actually more unified behind closed doors than we know? I think it shows that the owners are more unified than we know. And it's interesting because Jerry Jones is the one that usually gets guys rallied around a certain cause, right? It's the, he's the one that got everybody rallied around the cause for Los Angeles. However, if you really think about that, the first proposal was just to move the Rams to LA and it had nothing to do with the chargers, but there were enough owners that said, Hey, we can't just leave Dean Spanos high and dry, which is, you know, 
I don't know, something, you know, when you're talking about a billionaire owner who had a chance to build a nice stadium down in San Diego that people would probably be going to. But, you know, when you have that and then it's like, oh, well, Dean Spanos needs the option at least to go to L.A. And so then, you know, a year later, he ends up exercising that option. To me, that even shows even back then that Jerry Jones is not necessarily the grand poobah of, you know, the entire owner contingent. So there are things that Jerry Jones can push through where it's like, yeah, you know, that makes a lot of sense. But there are also other issues where he's not necessarily the ringleader. And I think at this point, Jim Irsay is like, He's the one that was going to step out and say, I'm going to be the ringleader on this. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll take the first bullet, if you will, um, if, if we're going to do this. So let's chase that up the flagpole one more step, uh, Miles. If Jerry Jones, who just turned 80, is not necessarily the grand poobah and the ringleader the way that he always has been, who would be there among the owners to step into that void? Obviously, we heard from Jim Irsay today, but he's never really been that guy in the past. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know that he is exactly the poster child that anybody would want to be that, right? I mean, it's interesting because you, there are certain owners that have been there for a really long time and have been successful. You have the Robert Crafts of the world. But, um, and as we're saying this, I'm seeing a tweet from uh, the, that, because Roger Goodell is speaking, and I just feel compelled to say that, because Roger Goodell was asked if he's surprised by Jim Irsay's comments, and he said no. So that kind of tells you something about the way he probably has been hearing from owners on this issue about Dan Snyder. So, I, I, you know, it's not a surprise to me that the league has a view of this. And, you know, Dan Snyder cannot be fired by Roger Goodell, but he can be fired by the, you know, 24 of 32 owners. So I'm sorry, that tweet just totally derailed the answer I was actually giving. And I don't even remember what the question was. You know what, Miles, you're not the only person to feel that way when I talk. So it's not uh, all. No, that I'm sorry. It's I okay. usually listen. I don't mind. What I don't are you mind. guys even saying? What's going I, on I don't today? Mind. <laughs> I don't what? mind. No, Co hey, hey, hey. Yeah. Go back over to the meat slicer. Uh, so, Miles, let's, let's uh, shift gears and talk a little bit about what's going on in the great state of Colorado, where we've got a new ownership group coming in. It's a brand new era for the Denver Broncos. They have a Super Bowl winning quarterback and a new coach and everything is going exactly according to plan, right? Uh, right. Yeah. Yes, exactly. If the plan was okay. Russell Wilson sucks and also Nathaniel Hackett clearly can't hack it as the Broncos Ooh. head coach. Yeah, it, it, it's... Yeah, thank you very much. It, I'll uh, try the feel. I'll be at the uh, Hollywood Improv this week. No, I actually won't. Um, but it, it's really interesting because, you know, I, I went to the game last night at SoFi and I was in the press conference room for when Justin Simmons, um, no relation, but their safety, uh, the Broncos safety was talking after the game. And the most interesting thing to me was after he was done talking, he walks out of the room and the beat writers start going, man, I've never seen him that frustrated before. And you had somebody who is one of the real big defensive leaders on that team. You saw him on the broadcast imploring the defense to do your job and let's get out of here. We can't leave here without a win. That's what he told us that he was telling everybody and they still lose. And 
look, when you're only allowing about 16, 17 points per game, but your offense is only scoring 15 points per game in the 2022 NFL, you're not going to win many games. And you have a head coach that is supposed to be an offensive guru. You've got a quarterback that just got paid a ton of money and he's not coming through. And now he may have a hamstring injury that's going to impede him. And it's this and it's that. But at the end of the day, Russell Wilson was looking lost before they even uh, had an issue with the hamstring, right? I mean, he had a good drive, and then he had two good passes, and that was it. I mean, they had net negative nine passing yards through the second half in overtime. That's awful because of the sacks he was taking. You get a guy coming blitzing right through the middle of the line on third down. This is a, Russell Wilson's been in this league for 10-plus years. You can't have those things happen. That's on the QB. So I, I, if, you know, if I'm a Broncos fan, I don't feel very good. And if I'm Sir Lewis Hamilton or the rest of the Walton Penner group, I, I also don't feel good about where this franchise is heading right now. Miles Simmons, Pro Football Talk and Cofield and Company. He joins us every Tuesday. All right, in the AFC, give me the two or one win team that will be okay at the end of the season. Raiders, Broncos, Browns, Steelers, there's others, but I'm not interested in them. Browns, Steelers. <laughs> Not for this question. Brown Steelers, Broncos, Raiders. Who's going to come out of it at the end of the season? You're like, you know what? That was a good comeback. Oh, God. Um, Jacksonville. I didn't name Jacksonville. You, you got me. You got me. I did that on purpose because I wanted you to have four well done, bizarro well situations. I actually, I think I, I, I'm crazy. I picked the Steelers to win the division. Um, I would say it's not looking good, but the division isn't looking good. So Steelers aren't right. way behind. But, you know, I saw you tweet about the story where Tomlin was asked about Trubisky and Deontay Johnson screaming at each other, and maybe that's why Pickett was in there. I still feel like the Steelers can – they're holding it together until T.J. Watt comes back whenever that is. Exactly. No, I mean, of the teams that you mentioned, yeah, the Steelers probably are – the one that I would feel the best about just because that program has been in place for so long. And I have a lot of faith in Mike Tomlin as a head coach. Look, they, they should have lost to the Buccaneers. There's no reason in the world that team should have beaten the Buccaneers with as many injuries as they were dealing with on defense, especially in the secondary. They didn't just not have TJ Watt. They didn't have Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah. It's basically like taking Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey away from the Rams. Th those are two hugely important players and impactful players. So, yeah, the, the fact that the Steelers won that game to me says a lot about where they are. And even though it has not looked great, they can pull themselves out of it. In Baltimore and Cincinnati, they're both very, very flawed. So the Steelers do have a chance to come out of that division, strangely enough. Do you think Belichick wastes any more time on Mac Jones? Is this just, hey, Patricia Waste and Belichick? Time. Well, yeah, I mean, if Bailey Zappi's the guy, then Bailey Zappi's the guy. I mean, I, I just I haven't seen that much from Mac Jones in a year plus. Mac Jones is a young quarterback, too. You know, I mean, it, it takes time for quarterbacks to become elite. I mean, Bailey Zappi's just going out there and being a game manager. Think about the two defenses he's faced. Crap and, and <laughs> I almost said a word that you're not supposed to say on the radio. <laughs> uh, but, but you get what I'm saying, right? You know, you've got chicken excrement over there in terms of Detroit and Cleveland defenses. So, I look, I don't think that Mac Jones would have performed any worse than Bailey Zappi did at quarterback over the last couple of weeks. Now, did he do well? Absolutely. But that means he's being a game manager. He's holding down the fourth. They're running the ball well. And when Mac Jones comes back, I expect to see a, a good quarterback. Now, if if Mac Jones continues to throw interceptions, then yeah, he's going to have Bailey Zappi nipping at his heels. But again, I, I, I don't... 
I don't think that it's going to be that big of a problem for Mac Jones to come back and be effective. Okay, I'm afraid to mention the other reason they've taken off a bit here. He's a hometown guy. Ramondre Stevenson, it's nice to actually, I know they're not big on having one back, but he actually has turned into a difference maker the last couple of weeks. Well, yeah, it's funny, you know, because what what's happened with the former Patriots offensive coordinator too, right? You guys in Las Vegas know Josh Jacobs has been the bell cow over the last couple of weeks, two straight weeks, last couple games since they were on the bye, but two straight games of, of getting career highs in yards. And so Stevenson is sort of the same kind of deal. They don't usually do that with running backs in that system. It's more matchup based. But if the guy is coming in with a hot hand and he's doing really well, then why not? You know, that's exactly what you got to do. What's going on in Tampa? Is there going to be some sort of, not a coup, but the essential is going to be a big pushback by some of the players with Brady going, you know, essentially going to bowls and and saying, come on, man, he's screaming at us on the sideline. He's missing freaking Friday and Saturday activities to go to a wedding. Like, is, is there going to be a group that steps up and goes, this ain't working because Tom's not working the way he normally works? Well, and if Tom's not working the way he normally works, then Tom's not going to be as good as he normally is. And it just makes me go back to the statement he put out there when he, you know, quote unquote, retired right in February. And he was talking about football and how it takes such a commitment. And he said, I can't make that commitment anymore. I'm not willing to make that commitment anymore. I can't quite remember exactly what it was, but that commitment is is what has made him great for so many years. It's what allowed the Buccaneers to go to the Super Bowl and win in 2020 when it was his first year there. And it's what allowed them to continue to compete last year. And they kind of should have you know, come back and beat Los Angeles Rams in the divisional round. So I just, I, I feel like Brady is right now caught a bit in the middle of trying to find more balance in his life, but also still being committed to that football team. And I don't know, man, like I, I know that we all have reverence for Tom Brady, especially as players, but it would annoy me a little bit if you weren't really there in the dog days of camp, you know, you took 10, 11 days off and then you come back and we're all right, but we're not doing what we usually do. And there are a lot of different problems, but then you're yelling at us, you're dropping F-bombs at us in the middle of the game where you weren't even at walkthrough on Saturday. And, you know, Todd Bowles can say all he wants that you don't give special treatment to Tom Brady. Yes, you do. Of course you do. Anybody would. It's what he's earned. But if you say that you're not, then it's like, guy, you know, dude, we, we can see right through that. So, yeah, I don't know. It's not looking good in Tampa, though, right now. The vibes are bad. Miles, about a minute left here. Tell me where I'm wrong. The Atlanta Falcons are going to win the NFC South. They're three and three. The three losses they have are a fourth quarter comeback by New Orleans, the Grady Jarrett phantom penalty, and what nearly was a ridiculous comeback against the Rams. They are currently plus 650. I don't necessarily think that you're wrong because I think the Bucks are really flawed and the NFC is not as strong as it used to be. So... It certainly could happen. Hey, Arthur Smith's got those guys playing really well. He really does. Miles, what's going on on uh, Peacock? We know UNLV's playing Notre Dame this weekend, and people are uh, happy that it's on uh, Peacock. Uh, what's going yes. on this week? What's going on this week? You'll be able to see that, and you'll also be able to see the Peter King podcast. We're going to talk everything that you need to know from the owner meetings, especially Dan Snyder. You are big time, my friend. We appreciate a couple minutes. Thank you. Always, guys. Take care. There he is. Miles Simmons. Miles A. Simmons. Up on Twitter, Candy Cofield, Cofield and Company, we come back. Reno joins in. We'll get into little Vegas Golden Knights and also the NBA tips off. Let's do it. 